0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast, dedicated to raising awareness, sharing IBD stories, and offering support for those with Crohn's and colitis. Together, we can share knowledge, experiences, and help show the world the many faces of IBD. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gish, Crohn's warrior since 2006 and lifelong fitness fanatic. My guest today is Raina O'Dell, who's truly a badass on both the fitness and IBD scenes. She's an ostomy advocate, a seven-time elite fitness and nutrition beach body coach, and she's dedicated to helping women create habits and routine to clear the noise in their busy lives. She's here with me today to share her journey with ulcerative colitis. Thank you so much for joining me today, Raina, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. What an introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you make it easy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited to have you. So I've I've been following you on Instagram for quite some time, and you are truly an inspiration to so many people, from women, men, those with IBD, those without IBD. And you have shared so much of your journey in life on your stories and your posts. And so I just want to thank you from the start of our interview for being such a powerful voice and an advocate for those with IBD and especially those with ostomies.
1: Thank you. Well, I I really just feel like I'm living my life and in this awkward world that we live in, I'm sharing it every day on social media and it's helping people. So it's kind of a cool thing.
0: It definitely (laughs) is. So I've asked you here today because of your own journey with ulcerative colitis and how it's impacted your life and led you to become an advocate for IBD. So why don't you go ahead and jump right in and start us off by sharing your IBD story and talk about how and when you were first diagnosed.
1: Sure. Well, I, to be honest, prior to being diagnosed, had no idea what IBD was, no idea what IBS was, Mm -hmm. no idea what Crohn's or ulcerative colitis or any of it was. And so... I, for years, had kind of struggled with different symptoms that I didn't know. I had no idea what it was. There was no answer that I had. I am also that person that if something's wrong with me, I'm like, I don't want to go to the doctor because I don't want to know what it is just in case I'm going to die. I don't know. I don't want to know when I want to, when I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. Right? So I kind of pushed off seeing doctors and um, went through several years of I would have random days where I would break out in hives. Mm -hmm. I would have random days where I would wake up and have just a canker sore on my mouth the size of a nickel. You know what I mean? Just like crazy stuff going on. And I just attributed it to my nutrition or stress. Um, I, I lived a very stressful life prior to being diagnosed and during being diagnosed. And I thought that maybe stress played a big role in that. Um, my symptoms were, and I guess I can openly share since this is the
0: Crohn's yeah, IBD yeah, We're <laughs> yes. all, all familiar with the bowel Everyone movements blood and-
1: <laughs> Yes. So uh, for prior, probably a year and a half prior to being diagnosed, I was having, um, going to the bathroom blood, um, Mm -hmm. you know, all kinds of stuff in my stool for probably a year. Um, I was going to the bathroom probably 30 plus times a day. Um, and it got to the point where my husband at the time was like, you know, this is not normal. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. shouldn't be going to the bathroom this much. You've got this going on. You've got that going on. I don't know why we need to go to the doctor. And so I went to the doctor and, you probably had similar situations, but I went through doctor after doctor after doctor trying to get results or some kind of answer um, as to what was going on. I had many doctors that would do, you know, food allergy tests, and I had some sensitivities come in. I went to naturopath doctors, and um, tried to do a lot to kind of just figure out what was going on. And I finally went to a doctor that did a colonoscopy. Super exciting. Um worst experience of my life. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So bad. Um, but I went, I got my colonoscopy and as soon as I woke up, he goes, you definitely have ulcerative colitis. Showed me a few of the pictures of the scans and stuff like that. And then gave me a prescription for forgot what it was even called. I used to know the name of it, but just Mm -hmm. some mild medication because my ulcerative colitis was very mild. And so left the hospital got diagnosed, went home. And I'm like, I have no idea still what ulcerative colitis is. So I'm just going to do my best to kind of figure this out. I went about a week or so taking the medication consistently. And then I just had this like, it's just this aha moment of I'm a health and fitness coach. Mm -hmm. There is no reason why I should be on medication for the rest of my life. And at that time, again, I didn't really know a lot about the disease or what it included and all of that kind of stuff. So I just kind of had that mindset And from that moment, I decided, you know what, I'm going to use the tools that I have. I'm going to use what I know about health and fitness and about my body to kind of just see if I can get this under wraps by myself, you know, without medical attention or or doctors or anything like that.
0: And how long ago was that your first diagnosis?
1: That was in March of 2016. Mm -hmm. So March of 2016. So I grew, I don't have any family history of ulcerative colitis, Mm -hmm. um, not really anything. And so I was the first in my family to kind of be diagnosed with this. My dad was like, Well, I don't know what that is. My mom's like, Well, it sounds weird. Okay, cool. You know, nobody kind of took it really serious. And yeah. and I didn't really take it serious myself either in the beginning. Um, it was a fairly easy diagnosis, a simple medication, take this and it's gonna fix it. But in the back of my mind I was like, I wanna do something more and I wanna see if I can kind of get a grasp on this. So yeah. I started working out consistently and listening to my body and easing into it and Following nutrition plans that I knew would benefit me and my, you know, okay. ulcerative colitis at the time and any kind of intestinal issues I had, and I just did my research and I dove in. Um, I ended up going into remission and was in remission until about October of 2016. And you did that without the medications at that point. I did that without the medications, yeah. And I don't. I'm not going to say stop your medication. Yeah. I'm not going to tell anybody to do that. I of course want to like lead with that, but. I think that, um, you know, if I I think I tried the medication because it wasn't life or death for me at that point, it Mm. was, it was a simple diagnosis, a mild case. And I was like, you know what? I need to experiment with this a little bit and try to do this with that medication. So, and I did, and I got into permission and got a six pack for the first time in my entire life, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And I felt great. Um, and so I don't know how much further you want me to go into my story at this point. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> I'll let you I have, like yeah. Well, I feel like I've lived oh. ten different lives. Well, I know, and and as I've been, you know, was preparing some questions for, it, and like I feel like we could probably talk for ten hours about oh, so many for different sure. things that I'm sure just intertwined and became a part of your journey. And so, sure. um, why don't you take me up until that point and talk about some of the diet changes you did? And yeah. I, d- it sounds like it sounds like your fitness journey had started a little bit before then, but this maybe was kind of a a catalyst for really diving in headfirst. So tell me a little bit about how you changed your diet, what you noticed with food right away, and then kind of where that fitness took you. And then we'll go farther into the story.
1: (laughs) Well, and I just want to start by saying this is my journey. And I know that, you know, I I get it daily from people being like, nutrition doesn't fix anything. And I'm like, okay, you know, just take what I say with a grain of salt. This is what works for me. So I want to just
0: And I love that you say that because and I love that, you know, I love sharing the stories of our fellow IBD warriors just because we are all so different and what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for another, but we all have so much to learn from each other and the things that we can take from each other or just something that you say might trigger something in another person. And so even though we're on this individual journey, there's so much that we share and connect with just in our own path and so it's so valuable. So yes, definitely it it (laughs) works for you. (laughs) But hopefully, you know, hopefully many out there will will gain from it.
1: Yeah. Well, and I just think I just think our journey is just about we just want to feel good. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I think people that struggle with IBD and IBS and Crohn's and colitis and all these things, Mm -hmm. like we just don't feel good. And for years probably we are in this phase of not feeling good. And so to me I said, okay, what's gonna make me internally Feel the best. Mm-hmm. We feel good when we eat good. We feel like shit when we eat like shit. I'm sorry. I'm not yeah. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to cuss
0: just, on your podcast or
1: not. You can bleep that out if you I'll need to. I'll allow it. No, but,
0: I don't know how like, many children listen, but yeah, <laughs> true.
1: But same for workouts. You know, mm-hmm. I when I work out, no one ever finishes a workout and says, "I hated that. I don't want to do that again. I'm never going to do that again." We feel good when we do it, and so I just took what I knew. Um, I started my fitness and nutrition business actually in 2013. And so I, I had the tools. I knew mm-hmm. what to do, but there's also that human piece of me in the back of my head throughout my health and fitness journey that was like, but I want that pizza. I want yeah, that uh-huh. cheeseburger and I'm going <laughs> to eat those wings and I'm going to do all of the things that I want to do, but I want to look good too. And so it kind of came to, came to a screeching halt when I realized that the, the mindset of I'm going to do whatever I want to do and eat whatever I want to eat kind of has a lot to do with my circumstances. And so I did some allergy tests and some doctors and stuff like that and, and research more than anything was just Mm -hmm. reading and research and listening and all of the things. And so I stopped uh, consuming dairy. Dairy was one of the things that I cut out whenever I made that change Um, and gluten. And I know those are two fad words, unfortunately, (laughs) Um, but I am a firm believer that sugar and grains are really a silent killer in a lot of worlds and a lot of people. So, um, and those, those are were
0: two things. Go ahead. There's, there's a lot of research on those two things totally. that breaks down the gut lining and that barrier. So without Absolutely. that, we're just so much more susceptible to everything. Absolutely.
1: And, you know, foods, some foods that we, uh, you know, contribute to inflammation. And so in the back of our mind, I'm saying, okay, if this is an inflammatory disease, if this is an autoimmune disease, then It's only going to help if I'm doing things to improve that inflammation and nutrition, hydration, all kinds of things when it comes to fitness and nutrition play a role in that, that inflammation that, um, you know, all of those kinds of things. So. I really just, I cut out dairy. I cut out gluten. Um, I am a big meat eater. And I know that a lot of people don't believe in meat. Um, I am not a vegan. I just have to say that. Um, and I don't eat vegetables. That was another thing that I cut out, um, surprisingly, was vegetables. And I get that question daily. you don't eat vegetables? And I'm like, no, I don't eat vegetables. I don't eat vegetables because of my ostomy and blockages and you know, I, I attempted to eat vegetables twice and I was in the hospital twice. And so I'm mm-hmm. not going to do it ever again. <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> um, I'm okay with it. So my diet is a lot of, it's, I call it like a meat and potato diet. I mm-hmm. do a lot of high fat. I do a lot of protein and I do some carbs in the form of rice and potatoes and things like that that kind of settle a little bit better.
0: So. The the food always fascinates me because I'm like you I do better with meat and so I'm a big yeah. meat person. The vegetables I don't tolerate well, but in talking to, you know, so many different people with IBD, it is just from one extreme to the other. There's other people that just cannot eat meat and yeah. and I'm like, "Do not give me a salad because that <laughs> lettuce is <laughs> I will die. It's yes. going to kill me." I so,
1: <laughs> yep. No, I and it's, you know, I there's always a silver lining and I have that my and just I need to look for the silver lining and everything and it's like well, I can't have a salad and I miss that sometimes and I think mm-hmm. juicy cold, whatever. But like I get to eat ribs whenever I want to and I'm not complaining about it. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like there's kind of a win win in each situation.
0: So when did the ostomy come into the picture? Because it sounds like you got yourself into remission for that first time in in 2016 and you were just cutting out dairy and gluten and following the foods that worked for you. And it sounds like you got into remission. So tell me a little bit how seemed like you were doing pretty good. And then what was that next step in your journey? Shit quite literally hit the fan. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: I, in October 2016, I actually filed for divorce. I was married. Um, we'd been married for 10 years together, for 12 years. We had mm-hmm. two girls together. Um, and he was an addict, is an addict, um, was from the day I met him and continued to be. But there were phases of our relationship, and I know we don't have to go into all this, but where he was sober, not sober, sober, not sober. So I held on, didn't hold on, held on, didn't hold on, kind of went through a wave of relationships. And in October of 2016, I found out that he was using again Um, And after 12 years of fighting it, I just, I didn't want to fight it anymore. And I filed for divorce. And when I filed for divorce, you know, realized what my life was going to look like and how it wasn't the expectation or the vision that I had. Um, I was then raising two girls by myself. My ex moved states is not in the picture. Like, Mm -hmm. so there was so much stress that
0: came up. Keyword stress. (laughs) And we know how stress and IBD go together.
1: (laughs) And that's it. End of story. Stress hit and I was screwed. No. um, But I, I, stress hit me like no other, more Mm -hmm. than I had ever felt in my entire life. And because of that, my ulcerative flight flared. And I I actively kept trying to do exactly what I knew I needed to do to get out of it, what I had done before. Yeah. But the stress was so much that it just didn't allow my body to do it. Um, and I, by February of 2017, was in the hospital the first time. Um, got started on, um, I think I started on Remicade at that time. And went through Remicade. It ended up failing. Um, I actually had my first surgery to, for a total colectomy in... May of 2017. So it happened quick for you. So fast. It happened so fast, you know, and I, I was diagnosed in March, got sick again in October. And then by February, I was in the hospital again. And I, I just had so much like, you know, people struggle with this for lifetimes, Mm -hmm. you know, for their entire lives. And I was this person who just got diagnosed and then boom, within a year had her colon removed, you know, and, (laughs) and I'm just like, what is happening? And, and You're an overachiever.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, you know, I don't need it. I can survive without all of it.
1: Um, I look back though and I'm just, I know that the stress is what caused my illness again. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, since then I've just been on this (laughs) self-care mission, Mm -hmm. if you will, to try to lower the stress and try to deal with all that. But so I had my first surgery in May of 2017, um, I had a temporary ileostomy placed at that point. Um, And that was my my mental keyword was temporary, right? Mm -hmm. I left the hospital knowing that in eight weeks, I was going to come back and I was going to get a J pouch placed and organized and all that kind of stuff. Um, And so it allowed me to kind of go into this ileostomy life temporarily, without any hesitation, without any fear, without Mm -hmm. any like worry or being, you know, not confident with it and things like that. And I had my reversal. Um, I think it was like July 1st of 2017 and got the J pouch placed. And I had such high hopes of the J pouch because, you know, it's almost like you have to try just to see if it works and give it a shot. But as soon as I woke up, um, from the hospital, you know, from that surgery of my J pouch, I knew that it wasn't working. I could feel in my body that it was rejecting it, that it was just not going to work. And and it could have been my mindset, which I don't know that it was, but it I could really feel it,
0: you know? I, I think it's interesting because I know, I mean, I think we end up knowing our bodies so much better than yes. other people do. And yeah. we know, like, even though there's, you know, we try and second guess ourselves, like, maybe it was just my mi- my mindset yeah. or I was just making things up. But it's like, we know if we truly listen, yeah. like, we know when things are not Absolutely. Right.
1: And our body tells us. Yeah. Our body sends clear signs when something's not right. And we just choose not to listen mm-hmm. sometimes, I think. And then it causes yeah. more damage than good whenever we push it off so long. yeah. So um, yeah, so I had my J pouch and got that in July of 2016. By February of 2018, I was in the hospital again. Um, I had dropped down to about 100 pounds. Hmm. Um, I'm five six, so I'm not like a short girl. And so I was Pretty tall and Mm -hmm. very, very, very skinny and skin and bones and just kind of falling apart. And you know, my breaking point was my ex actually dropped, um, he like went to pick them up. I think I had them during the week and he came on like a Friday night to pick them up. And and it was, he was just going to take them for a couple hours and just hang out with them to kind of get his to see them. And I remember him coming back to my house. And as soon as he walked through the door or coming to my house to pick up the girls, and as soon as he walked through the door, I just broke down into tears and was like, I can't do it. I can't do this anymore. You have to take me to the hospital. And he was just freaking, you know, and I hated him. He was my worst enemy, but I was like, I need your help. (laughs) I need your help. And that is when I knew mentally that I had hit my rock bottom is when I was asking my ex-husband for help to take me to the hospital and (laughs) went to the hospital, um, The doctor was, I was having uh, abscesses on my J pouch infection um, and my body was just rejecting it. And so the next step was to have a permanent ileostomy and here I am. (laughs) So...
0: That's fantastic. I mean, it's fantastic in the sense that I mean, you are so vibrant today, like you are Mm -hmm. vibrant and healthy and inspiring. And so it's truly been a good thing for you. And I think you've you've said in a couple of your posts that it really is just life changing.
1: Yeah. You know, I, before we even hopped on this podcast, I had a call with, um, somebody that I mentor and she was just signed up with me, um, to work with me. And she shared that she had an ostomy Mm -hmm. and I hear that, you know, and, and she went into how she signed up because I've inspired her to do this and do that. And, and I'm just, I, like I said, when I open, I'm literally just living my ostomy life unfortunately or fortunately just so out loud on social media that it it gets to touch people and it makes me like I I firmly believe that I was put in this position and I was given this ostomy and I've gone through the struggles and the things in my life that I've been able to overcome to make me a stronger person to allow me to be able to go on Instagram and share it and take a picture and and just inspire one person to feel a little bit better about what they have going on you
0: know And that's a beautiful thing. That truly is. So what does it look like for you now, day to day, as far as staying in remission, what you're eating, how does that come into play? Because obviously you mentioned before, no vegetables. (laughs) Yeah. Because they're going to cause a blockage. So how does that change things? What's it look like for you today?
1: Well, um, you know, I will say that really everything has kind of changed. Um, And I, because my ex had a background in addiction, um, I have that association with medication, which is why I was like, I can't mm-hmm. take this medication for the rest of my life. I'm going to be doing it my own, on my own. And so I left in February 2018. I left my final surgery with no medications. As soon as I left, the, they said, you want to fill this pain medication before you leave? You can fill it. No, no, no. I don't want anything. Mm-hmm. And I may be stubborn in that, but it's because I felt, I have so much pain associated to medication. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And... So since February of 2018, I am completely, totally medication-free. I don't take any medication whatsoever. Um, I control everything that I do now through my diet and through my movement and through my meditation and being mindful. And and I think that's the biggest thing is the mindfulness. Mm-hmm. It's the stress control, right? 20 Holy crap, 2020 has been insane. <laughs> if anyone is listening and you are in a flare, it's because it's 2020. Yes. And <laughs> I think the biggest thing that people can do if they are struggling or going through flares and things like that is do your best to just relieve that stress and just Mm -hmm. breathe and rest your body. Because I think that that's truly what made me so sick for so long. So I am very active in meditation and mindfulness and my routine and my habits because I truly believe that. I think I shared this yesterday on my story, but I think that, you know, I am the woman I am and I have the energy that I have and I have the light that I have and the you know the goals that i have and the hopes and dreams and all this kind of fun stuff because of my routine and because of the habits that i've put in place and because of the mindfulness that mm-hmm. i've put in place and and because of the way i intentionally take care of my body i think that all of it kind of plays a huge role in the success that i have today with my mm-hmm.
0: UC you know tell me a little bit more about some of those stress reducing things that you do like how often do you meditate are there specific really? kinds kinds of meditation that you do and talk to me a little bit more about in depth the mindfulness piece for people who are listening that you know they hear these buzzwords of mindfulness and meditation and lower your stress they hear these words but what does that look like for you day to day for me
1: i i feel like i have so much noise in my head all day long, whether it is, you know, am I being a good enough girlfriend? Am I being a good enough mom? What am I going to have for lunch? What is my business doing? Is my business going to fall apart? How's my mm-hmm. friend doing? Is my fr- friend going to fall apart? Like we're just, and then add 2020 to it. It's just a sh- show, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think part of just having that mindfulness is just being able to slow it all down and, and not taking things personal, not having expectations mm-hmm on things. I think the expectation thing was a big piece for me in that stress relief saying, you know, so often we teach people to so wake up and, and create your vision for the day. And I'm mm-hmm. going to, and, you know, declare that it's going to be a great day. And I think that when we do that, we wake up and we're like, it's going to be a great day. It's going to be a great day. It's going to be a great day. And then the second it turns into a bad day, our yeah. expectations are shot and we're in a bad mood. And that's not helping anything internally. I think it's only adding to that. So I think, get on a routine, get Mm -hmm. on a schedule, create some consistency for yourself because your body internally, just like us mentally, your body internally loves that habit. It loves that consistency of you showing up and doing the same thing every day and eating the same thing Mm -hmm. every day. And and I do feel truly lucky to have my ostomy because we can really, we get like a front row seat of how digestion works, of how our body processes everything. Like, We have front row tickets to see this exactly. And so I think that just becoming extremely aware of everything that you're doing and why will allow you to kind of slow things down a little bit. That's fantastic
0: advice. You did. That's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me about fitness. This is obviously a huge part of your life. It's been an important piece of your healing journey, too how has it been just adapting to the different phases of your IBD journey and then going through surgery? Are there different things that you found work and don't work as far as working out with an ostomy or not and just from surgery and recovery?
1: Yeah, I, you know, I, again, had this kind of fitness base before I got diagnosed. And prior to being diagnosed, um, you know, when I started my journey, I was 160 pounds, I was 35% body fat. So I wasn't like, I wasn't by any means in shape um, and I had a very unhealthy relationship with food. And so once I found a plan to kind of streamline all that and get my grasps on it, I kind of thrived for the first several years of my business and went through, um, I did like fitness competitions, I did bikini competitions and all of that kind of stuff and and really, really learned how to move my body without any IBD stuff. right? Mm-hmm. And so once I got diagnosed, I, you know, full steam ahead on my health and fitness and after my surgery in February of 2017, I think it was, or May of 2017, that's when I was I came to the realization that I am a health and fitness coach and mm-hmm. I'm not going to have the fitness part of it <laughs> for a while. And I kind of struggled with that. Um, but there were probably two years of my journey where I didn't work out because I mm-hmm. was so fatigued. I was healing. Um, you know. So I really was kind of those were really hard times. I did meditations during that time. Um, didn't even do yoga because I couldn't, I mean, I literally did everything from my couch. And after my surgery um, in February of 2018, I was just, after that long of not working out and and having such a solid plan of working out, I was going crazy, right? And I'm just like, okay, I need to know when I'm released to work out. When can I do this? <laughs> you know, having an ostomy, I also had this huge um, like hernia, Mm-hmm. Risk, right? Risk of hernia and risk of you know pulling something and stretching something. And so, as soon as I left my six-week follow-up appointment, he said, "Okay, you can go work out." And I'm just like, "Yes, is it?" And he's like, "Okay, go slow. I'm <laughs> like really go slow, though, because you have to listen to your body and take that time." And so I, I jumped into this. Um, it was an 80-day program, and it did like one rest day a week, and it's a pretty intense program. But I went into it knowing that I just needed, I needed the 80 days. I didn't need the actual workout, I just needed the movement mm-hmm. and the routine of getting up, working out every day for 80 days. And so I started it and modified every mm-hmm. day that I needed to. Um, you know, I remember she'd be like, okay, get down on the floor and get into plank. And I'm like, oh, hell no, I can't <laughs> do a plank right now. You know, I, mm-hmm. I probably did I have a 45 minute workout, you know, a good 30 minutes, but it was just like me basically lifting my legs. You know what I mean? I was just modifying everything I could because I was, I did have this fear of hernia. Um, but day after day after day, I increased my strength and I challenged myself a little bit more and I found fun clothes that I could wear that would help. Mm-hmm. You know, I, a lot of people use the stealth belts and stuff like that. I bought one and I hated it. So I was like, I need to find something that I can wear. And so I have these shorts that I wear that really help hold right around my ostomy. So, mm-hmm. I don't have, you know, it's almost like a stealth belt. Do you so, mind
0: sharing the name if people are listening yeah, I don't and want to no, go get
1: it? No, I don't mind at all. They're, well, it's for women. I don't think the liquor is yeah. good on the men listening, but, um, honey, no. yeah. <laughs> honey, it's called Honey Athletica. Um, and I have a code if you want to save some, it's Raina10 is my code mm-hmm. if you want to use it. But they're, they're high waisted. They cover my ostomy and I just, it literally gave me that little bit of confidence to where I Felt good working out. I wasn't having to like put on weird workout clothes or feel weird about hiding my bag or anything like that. Like it was just so natural with those shorts on. And I know it sounds crazy, um, but that was one thing that really did help as far as yeah. me creating that consistency and just showing up for myself again.
0: How did you battle the fatigue? I'm sure the fatigue didn't go away immediately. How did you battle it yeah. as you were building up your strength? And then is that something that you still You know, I think I had, I
1: think I had so much fatigue when I was really, really sick Mm -hmm. that by the time my six-week post-op appointment had come, I was like mentally just like I need to move my body, I have to move my body, and when I had my temporary ileostomy, I had zero pain, zero bloat, zero gut pain, like literally felt like I could, I was Superman. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And so when I got my permanent ileostomy, I had that exact same feeling. I woke up with my J pouch, could tell immediately that it wasn't working, woke up with my bag and I was like, hell yeah, let's run a marathon. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I just felt so good. And so it was almost like my mental strength overcame that fatigue. Does that make sense? Because I was so ready for that change. So ready. And it does. now I'm like, if I miss a day, I'm like, I don't know if I, I can't miss a day. I need yeah. to move my body. <laughs> I need to move
0: my body. <laughs> Are there any things you stay away from, any particular movements or anything that you find works best for you? I, knew, I know you do a yeah. lot of body weight stuff in um, yeah. bands you're really yes. getting into.
1: Yeah, I do um, mostly band work now. I I I I think I lifted weights though. The first, um, I wasn't supposed to lift. I think it was like more than 15 pounds. My dog is 15 pounds and I couldn't even lift my dog, um, after my surgery. And so he was like, no weights. So I did everything really body weight in the very beginning. Um, but since then, I mean, it's been, how long's it been? Almost two years now that I, what, how long has it been? Yeah.
0: Two two and a half two
1: years yeah two and a half years and I've done lifting programs I've done cardio programs I can do a plank I can mm-hmm. do a sit up I can <laughs> do everything now with no issue at all so but it did take you know two and a half years of daily working mm-hmm. that strength back up
0: and I think that's a good reminder too that this mm-hmm. isn't something that is just going to change overnight that right. it is a process and that it does take time for our bodies yeah. to heal
1: yeah and we have to be patient and I think yeah I think part of that in that journey of learning that patience, you become more patient with yourself and you become more patient with your body and and allowing it to slow down to adapt to what's going on and the changes. And, you know, I think that people with IBD or whatever they're struggling with, I think it's really easy to kind of do this woe is me and have this victim mindset because we do feel so alone. And it's, I, I love that that's the power of social media, mm-hmm. right? We don't have to be alone now. And there's yeah. so much reser- research out there to kind of back up how to make yourself feel better and how to physically feel better and just tools and things like that, that you can do every single day. So just have to be ready to make the change, you know? Yep,
0: exactly. Mm-hmm. So tell me about flares. Do you suffer from flare-ups anymore? And if you do do what are some things you do to get through those or if you don't have flare-ups anymore maybe thinking back are yeah. <laughs> there any particular things that helped to be honest I don't have flares and I
1: haven't I literally haven't had a flare since I left the hospital that I is awesome to, it's unbelievable I I'm so thankful I really am I feel awesome and so to look back yeah. <laughs> It's hard because when I was in my worst flare, it didn't work. And I did get surgery. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I'm like trying to think. I I think that like in October, I think when I was diagnosed and then going into remission and and kind of battling that flare, it was a lot of like thinking of what am I eating? What am I consuming? What am I watching? What am I listening to? Like so much of our body's reaction to whatever is based on our thoughts and our stress, right? So. It was about, okay, saying I'm in a flare, recognizing that I'm not going to go to Chipotle and have a Chipotle bowl. I'm probably going to eat something a little bit more bland that my body's going to be, mm-hmm. you know, able to respond to quietly and, and not, you know, wreak havoc within my body. And maybe I'll just rest on the couch and watch a movie today. Or maybe I'll just yeah. sit and do some personal development and whatever it is. But I think it's just about slowing me down to allow my body to kind of get that rest that it needs. And I think, you know, I think that's the hardest part for people. They don't want to slow down. They want to fix it. It needs to be fixed and I need to feel better faster because I have this, this, and this to do. But it's like, no, your body's telling you, you need to slow down and that's,
0: you have to listen. I think especially when we're diagnosed, later in life and not late later, but, you know, even in 20s, it's like, even if we're in our 20s or or 30s, it's like, we have this picture of ourselves being teenagers or young 20 year olds that just go, go, go. And, and all of a sudden we're forced with something that's telling us you have to slow down and mentally we're not ready to slow down. And so Mm -hmm. that's, that alone can just be a biggest hurdle to just finally say, okay, body, I will listen to you.
1: (laughs) But you know, once we do, there's so much freedom in that. And I, you know, it's crazy. And I don't share this on social media, but I look in the mirror sometimes and I'm just like, I look like a superhero and I Mm -hmm. feel like a superhero. And I just, just, there's just like next level energy because you're able to like be in the moment and slow yourself down and just say, okay, what do I need right now? I don't, need pizza. Maybe I'll make my own pizza. and make get a little healthier and I don't need that ice cream. Maybe we'll make some gelatin or, you know what I mean? Like just making conscious decisions and being mindful throughout your day to kind of, I don't know, I think a lot of the stress and a lot of the mindsets and a lot of the issues people have in their day-to-day are brought on by the anxiety that we carry and the stress that we carry and what we're fueling our body
0: with and just so much of it. So time to slow down. (laughs) It's time to slow down. (laughs) So looking back on your journey to this point, what do you think the biggest challenge that you faced is?
1: Mm. I would say the biggest challenge has probably been, can I say dating?
0: Yes. Because
1: yeah, yeah, well, I I was diagnosed when I was married, Mm -hmm. filed for divorce, and then got my ileostomy bag. So I woke up and was like, I'm divorced. I have two kids. I have a, sh- a poop in a bag on my stomach. Like I'm never going to date anybody again, ever. <laughs> you know, I'm like, go oh, i and give up, give up. And I think that was the biggest roadblock for me. I was single for two years mm-hmm. after my divorce um, because of that, because I had this, and I would never admit that. Yeah, But there was this fear in the back of my head of like, okay, I have to tell somebody now that I'm going to be intimate with, that I have a bag on my stomach that is filled with poop. And that, or if you, I had ulcerative colitis that I'm just, I go to the bathroom more than the normal person does. You know what I mean? And there's just, it's an icky disease and it's an icky thing to talk about, especially when it comes to someone that you want to get close with and have a personal relationship with. And so there's a lot of fear in my mind around dating. Um, I actually started dating, um, on Tinder. I went online and was like, I don't want to meet anybody on Instagram. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I work from home. I work out at home. Mm -hmm. I go to Trader Joe's and Whole Foods. So I'm going to either meet my soulmate there or (laughs) online. And so I actually signed up for Tinder and had so much anxiety around it. Like I deleted it and opened Mm -hmm. and deleted it and opened it 75 times. And one day I swiped and went on a date with this man. And I got on a couple dates, but I finally went on a date with my boyfriend now. And we've been together for almost two years. And you know, before we actually went on the date, I was like, you just go to my Instagram and just look. Cause I'm, I'm pretty open and I share Mm -hmm. my bag and I share all this stuff. And I just wanted him to see it without me having to verbally say, Hey, I have an Eliostomy (laughs) bag. And so once he went, I was like, just go to my Instagram and just make sure you're okay to go on the date. And he was like, I've already looked at you. Like, what are you talking about? The first date we went on, had so much anxiety. I wore overalls so that, I, and I wore this like thing so I could like tuck in my bag and not have to show anything. <laughs> like I'm hiding it, but he already knew, you know. And just had so much worry built up, and it was all in my head. Yeah. And that night we had an awesome date. And we had great. I, I was driving home that night, and I just said, I just texted him. I said, "Thank you for making me feel so normal." And he was like, Raina, it is an accessory, and that's it." That's and awesome. I. Well, I just was literally like, okay, take me now. Like, I'm yeah. marrying you. What do you, what do you, I don't know. But just the fact that that hesitation that I had or that worry that I had was just squashed immediately. Like, it just gave me more, even more confidence. You know what I mean? To kind of just keep going unapologetically.
0: So what would you tell other people who are facing that cuz i know it is a common a common question cuz i see i don't have an ostomy myself but i see it yeah. on all of the ibd you know instagram right. and facebook the question always comes up like how do you date with this or what yeah. do you do and and it it sounds like i'm i'm guessing what you would tell people but what would you <laughs> give your advice to those who are facing that same situation if they don't have an instagram where they're yeah. not open about it or or something yeah. like that that they can Well you figure.
1: know i will share the advice that i was given um, and it was by my, by my ex mother-in-law, believe it or not, mm-hmm. um, told me that, Raina, anybody that sees that bag and doesn't believe that it's just a part of you and can't see past it is not meant to be with you. Whoever comes into your life is going to ex- accept it and it's not going to be grossed out by it. You're going to be able to have a cool, real mm-hmm. conversation about it and no one's going to, there's not going to be any icky feeling. But <laughs> I think that a lot of people have that fear that even just prevents them from going out and just go on a date. You know what I mean? I guess my biggest piece of advice would just be to, I'm going to, I I dare you to share it. I dare you to talk about it. You know, I think that once you talk about it, once you open up about it, you're going to see that so many other people are in the same situation. It's going to make you feel
0: a lot less alone. I love that. To dare someone to talk about it. Yes. Well, and even though, I mean, dating itself is just hard enough. I also went through a divorce myself and was single, you know, after being married almost 10 years. And then I was single yeah. for about five years and just dating is stressful and yes. uncomfortable and awkward. Yeah. So you throw anything else into that mix and it's just oh, totally
1: well, and I just saw myself okay. as this. I just saw myself as walking baggage. Right. I was like, I'm divorced, I got two kids, I have an aliasophy, like there's no hope for me I'm gonna be single for the rest of my life. And I even went into this mentality of, I'm gonna be single for the rest of my life. I need to be this powerhouse woman then. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so I developed this this alphaness and this stuff where I'm like now in this relationship where I'm like, I don't need that. I don't yeah. need that alphaness. You're okay, you're <laughs> in a safe place. You can just breathe and relax now. And and it is truly it's so refreshing to be with somebody, somebody that genuinely looks at you and doesn't see that. Same with not even having an ostomy bag, but somebody that can look at you and say, I don't see Crohn's. I don't see ulcerative colitis. I just see a beautiful person, you know, and I think too often we let this disease identify us and we do everything based on that identity and it's crippling.
0: Yeah, it definitely can. So tell me about your advocacy. When did you start actually sharing about your IBD journey on your Instagram
1: the day I got diagnosed, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I think it helped because I was active on Instagram and yeah. social media prior to being diagnosed because of my business. Um, but the day I got diagnosed, I still have it pops up in my time hop every single year that I have a selfie mm. in a mirror holding my bag of Lyalda. That's what it was called. Lyalda yeah. is the medication that I was on. Holding my bag of Lyalda, taking a selfie and. <laughs> from that day forward, I just shared But you know, it was almost I my business to me is my accountability. I keep mm. going because of my business. I keep going because fitness and nutrition is my job. And luckily, I love that. And so it was my, you know, I was like, I have to, I have to share this journey. If I'm going to get out of it, I have to share it so that it hopefully just helps one person get out of it too. And, and luckily it did, but then came back and then went away and then came <laughs> back and then went
0: away and came back. So here I am. <laughs> Do you think it's changed your perspective of IBD, having shared it with so many people and then in return, they connect with you and share their own stories with you as well?
1: Absolutely. I, I do believe that. But you know, one thing, when I left my the hospital after my last surgery, um, the doctors and nurses suggested that I get on like Facebook pages and Instagram pages and just like community forums and things like that to just kind of be a part of an IBD community. And as soon as I got on there, I got off because I went into Facebook. I'm just, people are sad. People are complaining nonstop. People are presenting all kinds of issues without a solution. They're just, you know, hopped up on medication and not really looking for anything to do. And if that's you, that's okay. Kind of. But I also was like, that's not what I want to project. I don't want to project that. I want to, I want people to come to me and say, oh my God, she's doing that even though she has that. Yeah. Like crap, I can do that. You know what I mean? Because if we if we're in this victim mentality and, and looking for that constantly and feeling sorry for ourselves, that's what we're going to project. And people mm-hmm. aren't going to want to be a part of that. It's going to spill over into so other many aspects of your life and just become toxic.
0: Yeah. And I've heard that before of people Saying we need more positive role models in mm-hmm. IBD, in the IBD community, saying that things are possible. That yeah. yes, we have our down moments, we've all had them, but there's positives too. And yeah. we need to focus on those just as much. Sure.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: So now I want to ask, because I know that a lot of people listening to this probably know you as Raina versus food, but you just recently changed your Instagram (laughs) handle. I'm so happy you're saying that. It's just Raina. So tell me a little bit about that journey, um, because I read a little bit about when you posted about it, but share what was the catalyst behind that and the meaning to you.
1: Yeah, you know, I've, I created brainer versus food, even before I started my health and fitness journey. Um, I started, it was probably like 2011. Um, I was in the height of some eating disorders that I was going through. I was in the height of just a terrible marriage. I was in, I was working full time in a job that I didn't enjoy. Um, I just wasn't in a very good place in my life. And this is prior to being diagnosed with PC, prior to everything. Um, and so I adopted this idea of brainer versus food because it had literally been me versus food for mm-hmm. as long as I can remember. As soon as I had my kids, I started struggling with eating disorders and mindset and doubt and all of this anxiety, depression, all of these kinds of things. And as soon as I was able to kind of just, ugh, I don't even know what word I'm trying to look for, but I, I had this breakdown, if you will, my COVID, one of my COVID breakdowns, mm-hmm. quarantine breakdown where I have just been living this identity for so many years. It is all people knew, but I was tired of being against everything, right? It was me versus food. It was me versus diet. It was me versus ulcerative colitis. It was me. It started to become me versus people. I was finding Mm -hmm. myself just like obsessed with this idea of who I was and what I was about and my, I had so much alpha in me still and this like iron grasp, this clench on life. To be honest, yeah. And I felt that this doesn't serve my current relationship. This doesn't serve my children. This doesn't serve me. This is not who I really am anymore. And so I wanted to change it. And I just was like, it's just, it's just rain it. And I like looked, looked. I was like, wait, it's just rain it. Like look on my Instagram. <laughs> I'm like, it's available. So we're going with that. It's perfect. But I just. I got to a point this year where I was tired of fighting the idea of whatever I had created prior to the Mm -hmm. person I am now.
0: And and I love that it also shows just kind of the journey in and of itself of Mm -hmm. something that we all go through in a way of, you know, we start at one point in our lives and then we're constantly evolving. We're constantly growing and changing and to recognize it and just say, I'm at a new spot and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. just Raina. <laughs>
1: and it's okay to grow and not be that person anymore. Yeah. You know, I, I still, I, you know, my mom even messaged me the other day and she, she works at that clinic in Missouri where I grew up and she goes, somebody came in and asked if I was Raina versus food's mom. And I was like, tell them, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> tell them you're not that chick's mom anymore. You know, you're just Raina's mom. <laughs> just Raina's mom. And it just, as soon as I changed it, it was like a weight off my shoulders. It was mm-hmm. almost like I gave myself permission to just be me. I love finally, it. Finally, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. So, so one, of the, one of the other things that a lot of people are going to know you for are your tattoos. And I know yes. that you've shared <laughs> different posts about their souvenirs for you when you travel places yeah. and, and it's a way to remember that. So what I'm curious to know is, do you have any that are about your IBD journeys, or any yeah. any of the tattoos and which ones are they?
1: Yeah, I have a ton mm-hmm. that are actually about my... So I started getting tattoos um, in 2017, actually, um, February oh, of 2017. Rec- that's pretty yeah. recent, then. <laughs> so I had—I know it's crazy. So, and I know you're not going to be able to see the visual, but I have my girls' names on my forearms, and that's what I had. I got that in, like 2010, and I had like this one flower right here on my shoulder mm-hmm. prior to 2017, and. As soon as I filed for divorce, I remember going through my entire marriage being like, I want to get another tattoo. I want to get tattoo, And my husband was always like, oh, so trashy and gross and no and whatever. And as soon as I filed for divorce, I was like, I'm going to get a tattoo.
0: And they are addictive for anyone who yes. hasn't had one yet. They are very addictive. But-
1: <laughs> so addicting. And I just, you know, I just had this itch and he's just constantly was like, no, 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 We don't, no, 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 no. of need that. And I went on a girl's trip. It was for my 30th birthday. Right before I got really sick, I went on a girl's trip. Um, we actually drove from San Diego up to Washington and just mm-hmm. did a Pacific Northwest road trip. And it was amazing. But I got my first traveling tattoo. It was actually this compass mm-hmm. um, I got. Uh, and I, I just decided in that moment, I was like, you know what? Now that I'm free, <laughs> I'm going to do all the traveling, all the things that I want to do. And I want to get a tattoo every single time just to remember it. And so it, I literally went on my first trip in February 2017 and here I am with, I stopped counting at like 50 something. You've literally. traveled a lot. <laughs> I've traveled a lot. I had a good couple of years and now I'm done traveling and I'm like exhausted. <laughs> Not in 2020. <laughs> Not in 2020. Um, but I will, I mean, so many of them have to do with IBD, but I'll share this one right here. It's, mm-hmm. I, cause I don't share it a lot. Um, but it's on my bicep if you want to go look at my page or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a little. You can almost see it's like a full circle, but it's not quite full circle. And when I had my temporary ileostomy and J pouch, I also had a pick line. And my pick line, part of it was right here, and a little bit in my chest. And I had a nurse come to my house every single week and change this pick line. And I just remember having so much anxiety over it. Mm-hmm. And this is actually the shape of the little like a little wafer that goes oh, wow. in between it and then the needle actually goes like right in that little hole wow. and so I got the actual shape of the device if you will tattooed and it says did I live oh. question mark on the inside and I just I got that as a reminder to just like look at what you over- overcame yeah look at what you overcame I fucking lived we really lived I love and I that. just got that to remember to remember that so I love that that's fantastic <laughs> thank you
0: well, we have covered a lot today. Is there anything that we have not talked about that you want to share with the listeners, or any last piece of advice? Oh my gosh, no, no, I'm just kidding. I
1: don't know. Um, We literally <laughs> talked it. about it so much. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Goodbye, guys. Thank you for listening. Um, you know, I'm 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 happy to be on this podcast. I think this is the first interview I've done um, in several months, and I will say that if you know anyone has followed me from you know, prior to probably May, I am not the same person I was even in May. Um, I have gone through so much in my life. Um, every single year, again, like I said, before we started this podcast, I feel like I've literally lived 10 different lives. And I think one common question that I get all the time is just how are you so positive? How are you staying so positive and upbeat and uplifting and all this stuff? And again, I just see it as I'm just living my life and doing what I need to do. But I really feel like finding the silver lining in every single thing is what's crucial to keep that positive attitude. And so for me, yes, I have an ileostomy. Yes, I have a bag that I have to change every single day and I have to poop in it. And it's awful and it's weird, but the silver lining is that I am alive and thriving. And I have two beautiful daughters and a beautiful man and a beautiful home. And I am blessed beyond anything I ever could have imagined, even given my circumstances and even going through half the stuff I went through. So just my my advice, and I guess my thing that I want to leave everyone with is just to constantly be in search of that silver lining every single day, because it's really beautiful if you can find it.
0: That is a beautiful message. I love it. And it <laughs> has been an absolute pleasure talking with you. And thank you so thank much you. for coming on, Raina, and sharing your journey with us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have an IBD story, either as a patient or a family member, that you'd like to share as a guest on this podcast, or if you have a topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email at crohn'sfitnessfood at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about me and my Crohn's journey, follow me on Instagram using at Crohn's Fitness Food or Visit my blog for in-depth articles about my struggles and victories with Crohn's through diet, fitness, and lifestyle at www.crohn'sfitnessfood.com. And finally, remember, be strong, be grateful, and be the warrior that you are.